0: Welcome to Animals Today, your home for serious talk about animals. I'm Dr. Lori Kirshner. Happy holidays, everyone. Happy holidays, Lori. With 2019 right around the corner, you're probably thinking about what resolutions you'd like to make in the new year. Why do we make resolutions? Well, more likely than not, to improve our lives and to make the new year a better one for ourselves and others. Well, how about considering adding to your list one or more pledges to help our animal friends? Peter and I are going to talk about some ideas for New Year's resolutions to help animals. And I'm going to start with a real easy one to consider. And that is, learn more about a current issue that somewhat already interests you that will help you become an effective advocate. Take, for example, you sort of know or heard that declawing a cat is inhumane or cruel, but you're not sure how or why. But it interests you, maybe because you have a cat or you like cats, and you want to educate yourself about what does surgically removing a cat's claws entails, and the reasons for people wanting to declaw their cat, and why there's almost never a good reason to put a cat through this cruel, unnecessary surgery. So do a little research. Find articles or a website or an organization that speaks to that, and commit to learning more about it. And then when the appropriate time comes, like when you hear that your friend is thinking of declawing their cat, you can educate your friend on why this is a really bad idea and you can offer some humane alternatives. And you know what? These days with social media, sharing an article with your friends about any topic is so easy and can be extremely effective. And really simply just committing to 20 to 30 minutes on educating yourself about any animal related topic, maybe something you've always wondered about or question yourself. For example, people ask me all the time, how is eating cheese or the production of cheese cruel to the animals? You're not killing the animal to get the cheese, so why is it cruel? So spend a few minutes reading about the cruelty inherent in the production of milk and cheese, and perhaps this new knowledge will even change
1: your thinking and your own behavior. Laurie, I like that very much. And uh, later in this discussion, I'll have a few more ideas that actually take off on that general idea of educating yourself. I do like the fact that in 20 or 30 minutes, you can fulfill your New Year's resolution. That's a good thing about that one, right? Yes. You don't have to go to the gym three times a week. That's good. (laughs) But here's another one, and it's a sort of general thing, and that is elevate your knowledge about shopping. And that is be a more conscientious shopper. And that's easy to do. You want to be looking for cruelty-free stuff. Now, it can be overwhelming if you try to accomplish this on day one. So spend a little time at home. Familiarize yourself with the brands and the lines that are cruelty-free. Maybe download an app or two that will help you check things on the fly. And just familiarize yourself with the a companies that are generally cruelty free. So it doesn't seem to be such a burden. You know, oh, that's the kind of soap I want to get. That's the, sh- are the shampoos that I want to get. These are the things that are not tested on animals or don't contain any animal products. Okay. And so armed with this knowledge ahead of time, uh, it becomes part of your just way of being. It becomes almost unconscious and second nature. So uh, with a little work, it becomes part of how you interact with the retail universe. That'd be a good thing to do. Like that one, Lori?
0: Love it. Okay, this is one you've heard many times before, but volunteering at a local animal shelter is a great way to help animals. Many shelters need volunteers to do things like walking dogs or playing with the cats. Or something you've done in the past, Peter, which is taking pictures of the animals at one of our local shelters and posted them on social media. Yeah, that was pretty fun. Yeah, I mean, whatever it takes to get more visitors to these shelters, get more traffic through them, finding loving homes for the animals, and freeing up some space for more homeless animals. So give volunteering at a shelter a try. See if it makes you feel good. In addition to donating your time or skills, you can also make a monetary donation or donate specific items. Shelters are always looking for blankets, maybe toys. Call them and ask what you can do or what you can bring. It'll make you feel good.
1: Yeah, there's usually a variety of jobs that they'd be happy to show you what to do, right? Me bad. Yeah. Okay, and here's another one. Help stray and feral cats. And for me, when I think about those feral cats out there, the thing people can do, I think, to help them is to educate the people who are feeding them, people who think they are helping stray cats just by putting food out and not managing them. So all that happens when you do that is you get more and more cats and then more litters and then more cats and it doesn't help anything. So it's easy enough to learn how to help these cats without causing them to reproduce. That's the trap, neuter, release. Many local rescue groups can instruct you and help you to get through this, uh, teach you how to trap these cats humanely and then Uh, get them fixed, and then release them and feed them after their ears are tipped and you know they're not going to reproduce, or they'll come out and do it for you. But just don't feed them and conclude that you're doing the cats a world of good. You really need to look at the big picture.
0: Yeah, that's a really good one, Peter, because our feral cat population is really out of control in so many areas and communities around the country. Taking the initiative and partnering with a rescue group and a veterinarian, trap these cats, get them fixed, and release them in the area they were found, and then providing the food and water they need really will
1: make a huge, huge difference. Okay, here's a resolution I'm not quite ready to take on, but maybe someday, and that has become a foster parent for dogs or cats. So foster parents, they're like a bridge to a permanent family. Say a rescue group or a shelter, you uh, hold that pet and help give them a place to live until their forever family can be found, right? And the dogs or cats live with you, maybe rabbits, whatever you're into, until the adopters are uh, paired with your animals. And then you say, bye-bye, and then you do it again. And it's a really great thing because by doing this, you take the pressure off the shelters, you free up space. It's like a relief valve for them. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Still, I imagine it would be emotionally hard to give up an animal you've been living with for a few weeks or longer, but people do it. You know, I admire them. Maybe someday we'll try it, but uh, not with our current group of animals at home.
0: You've heard the term failed fosters, right? Potential fosters just fall in love with the animals they're, quote, temporarily caring for and then they ended up keeping. So they are failures <laughs> as fosters, I guess.
1: I know. Oh. So here's an example of a good situation for that we see around here for foster parents. And let's see, you are a Palm Springs snowbird, Okay. Let's say you're retired and have no animals of your own, and you've got a, pl- a little place in Palm Springs, and then in the summer, you go to your nice, cool other residence. So you've got a couple months here, a couple months there. You're a perfect situation to do some fostering when you're down here. You can have a few animals, and then you get them adopted. You can go back to Chicago or Minneapolis or Seattle or Vancouver, do it again a couple times there, and you come back. It works great. Okay, Lori, what you got now?
0: This is a great resolution. Don't patronize circuses or other animal exploitation venues. There are so many wonderful animal sanctuaries where you can go and bring your kids and meet these wild animals and farmed animals in their more natural environment where they're not exploited and not confined in unnatural environments, all for our amusement Also, if you learn about a circus is coming to your city or a rodeo is happening in or near your town or your kid's school is taking a trip to the zoo, contact the organizers and explain to them that these kinds of events are teaching my kids that it's okay for humans to be cruel to animals and it's teaching my kids that it's okay for us to exploit animals and these are not the kind of values I want to teach my kids and let them know you don't support it and get others to voice their same opinion as well.
1: Okay, Lori, here's one listeners have probably heard before, but I'll just put it out there as a reminder, and that is pledge to report neglected and abused animals you may come across, right? Our frequent legal expert guest, Bob Ferber, reminds us that animal neglect is very serious, as serious as animal abuse. And so if you see a dog tied up without water or without shade when it's hot in the summer, or if he or she looks underfed... You can anonymously, if you wish, report that situation to animal control or the police. If you suspect animal fighting or something like that, same thing. You can just report it. And it doesn't have to be a big deal. Just make a phone call, give an address, and move on and know that you've done something good.
0: Okay, this is something we should all put in place, and that is establish a plan for emergencies or natural disasters. So plan ahead to keep your companion animals safe in an emergency situation by filling a carrier with leashes and bowls, food, veterinary records, medicines, a photo of each animal, maybe even a list of hotels that
1: are pet friendly. Yeah, I like that. Make sure you have enough carriers for all of your cats. Good point. And make sure you've got uh, food and water for each animal.
0: Oh, I like this one for our kids. Invite a humane educator to speak at your kid's school. Or if you don't have kids, make it happen at a school near you anyway. Humaneeducation.org. It's a great resource for that. And they can assist and make the arrangements and make it super easy for it to happen. So humaneeducation.org. Or if you are really ambitious, you can take courses in humane education. Did you know that? And you can become a certified humane education specialist. And you can work directly with school administrators and teachers and shelter directors, law enforcement officers, where you can actively teach members of the community about how to help animals in their home and in their community.
1: Lori, that's really a great one. I bet there are uh, listeners who really want to jump in and interact with the kids. And I think that's wonderful. Okay, so those are some of our suggested New Year's resolutions that will help animals. And after the break, we've got some more even better ones. Uh, Stick around, you're listening to Animus Today.
2: The holidays are here, and we want to remind you of a few things that you can do to keep your dogs and cats safe and happy this season. First, make sure the Christmas tree is secure and cannot fall over, and that tree ornaments, which can be eaten, are out of reach. And make sure the tree's water, which can get overgrown with bacteria, is covered so no one will drink it. Holiday plants like holly, mistletoe, and poinsettias are toxic to pets. And be especially careful with lilies, which can cause kidney failure in cats if ingested. Electrical wires should be covered or out of reach. And use extra care with candles or avoid using them at all. Cats love to play with and eat tinsel, which can lead to intestinal problems and even surgery, so we suggest avoiding tinsel altogether. Don't let your pets eat chocolate, alcohol, table scraps, or anything sweetened with xylitol. And of course, don't give them or let them eat any bones, which can splinter and lodge in the throat or block the intestines. And remember, the holidays can be very stressful for your companion animals, so make sure your dogs and cats have a nice quiet place they can retreat to, away from your guests, so they can rest and sleep in peace. So happy holidays from everyone at Advancing the Interests of Animals, AIANIMALS.org. That's AIANIMALS.org.
1: Welcome back to Animals Today. Lori and I are presenting some of our suggested ideas for New Year's resolutions to help animals. And here's my next one, Lori. You ready? Ready. This is something most people will like, and that is watch some films. Uh, For example, try to watch one animal or vegan-themed movie each month for the year. Doing so will elevate and broaden your knowledge. It's going to help you identify which issues mean the most to you and uh, give you some action ideas. There are so many to choose from that are out in the past decade, such as The Ghosts in Our Machine, Food Incorporated, The Cove, Peaceable Kingdom, Earthlings, Forks Over Knives, Blackfish, Cowspears. I mean, it just goes on and on. The newest one is called Vegan 2018, the film. And I, Lori, I watched this this morning. while While I was scrubbing the kitchen floor, I was watching <laughs> A Vegan 2018, and it's very good. Wow. So, uh... Uh, I fulfilled my January film-watching New Year's resolution, and also I gave you a clean kitchen.
0: <laughs> That's really great one, Peter, and it can be fun, too, and entertaining for people. This one's a little harder and, and is a little more hands-on. Put an emergency kit in your car, so when you come across a stray or lost animal, you can try to save them. Mm. Rescuers all have their own strategy on what is effective for them in these situations, but... At the very least, supply your trunk with some treats to lure a stray or lost dog to you, an easy-to-put-on-leash that can be used sort of like a leash collar in one, a bottle of water, a bowl, maybe some heavy-duty gloves or a blanket. During the hot summer months, something in your trunk to break a car window. That's come in handy several times for me, right?
1: Mm -hmm. Yep. Okay, back on the theme of educating yourself. Here's my next one. Read a book. This is similar to your idea, Lori, of educating yourself on a topic of interest. Uh, once in a while, it's really good just to devote your attention and all of your concentration to a well-researched and written book. To get away from multitasking or watching video shorts on your phone, you, what you do is you find a nice, quiet place, maybe with your cats, you sit down for an hour or two and you simply read You know, there are so many great options, so uh, consider resolving to read maybe three or four books this year on animal rights, on plant-based dieting, environmental protection, whatever. And if you've not been reading as much as you used to, you may discover the simple pleasure of a good book in a quiet place, as well as gaining information, ideas that you can incorporate into your daily life. Read a book.
0: Okay, how many times have you heard this one? If if you have companion animals who are not spayed or neutered, make an appointment with your veterinarian and get that done and, and make sure your animals are properly vaccinated. I mean, that shouldn't even be a New Year's resolution. That should be the first thing a responsible pet guardian does. And when you come across someone else's dog intact, say something. You can be nice about it, you know.
1: Like, what the hell's wrong with you? Right.
0: Like, you see the jingle berries on a dog, you D- simply <laughs> look at the person and give your evil eye. Evil eye. No, it just says something like hey, you might want to think about fixing your animal, it might help with his behavior it helps prevent certain cancers, it helps prevent unwanted pregnancies, and there are too many homeless dogs and cats anyway, and you wouldn't want to contribute to that, right? And then if they say something like, no, I'm gonna let my dog have one litter, then you can say, okay, you're an idiot and I'm wasting my time talking with yeah. you. Yeah. Peter, have you seen the cartoon of the cat at the counter pointing to a woman with five kids and the cat says, I want to return my owner, she keeps it's having babies? <laughs> That's or the okay. squirrels holding nuts in their hands, laughing hysterically at a dog on a surgical table. That's cruel. What's your next one?
1: Okay. subscribe. I do this. Subscribe to a few YouTube channels. So when you subscribe, and most of you guys know this, uh, you get an alert if you want each time a new video is uploaded. For example, I subscribe to... Sharks YouTube page showing animals respect and kindness, and Steve Hindy, he focuses on showing the cruelty of rodeos and exposing the sickness of live pigeon shoots. Well, he puts videos up all the time, and whenever it pops up, I just uh, take a couple minutes and see what he's up to. And I've learned a lot about these topics just by uh, watching YouTube. Also, PETA has a variety of videos, and newer channels I like include Plant Based News and The Dodo, which has a little bit more light-hearted content. So. Find a couple of uh, YouTube channels and subscribe. Those are good ones, Peter.
0: Also, easy, support legislation that protects animals. And if you want to be proactive, you may want to consider writing to your elected local, state, and federal officials in charge of policymaking. And you can sign petitions or create your own petitions to be delivered to your chosen elected officials.
1: Boy, you're just scratching the surface on getting political, aren't you there? I know. I make it sound so easy, (laughs) right? Okay, Okay, here's my final one, also a computer-based thing. And that is set up a few Google alerts. And this is a very easy way to see articles on topics of your choosing. I have mine delivered each day. I think I have about eight topics now, like shark fin and plant-based diets and SeaWorld. I like to follow what's going on in SeaWorld. And each day I get an email on each topic that has links to Uh, three, four, five, ten articles on each of these topics, and I can see what's going on, read the ones I choose, and uh, stay up to date on my uh, eight or nine topics. So I think you understand what I'm saying. Just being educated about the issues and raising your knowledge base will help you be a more effective advocate.
0: Encourage people to adopt and save a life and not buy their pet from a breeder. I mean, just think about it. You convincing one person to adopt an animal in need of a home rather than buying a dog from a breeder, you will indirectly be saving a life. You can make it a game this next year. See how many people you can convince to adopt a dog or a cat or an animal in need. And then that's how many lives you can say or you will know you helped. And then you get the, oh, but... I want a specific breed. Then what do you say?
1: Then you say, uh, go find yourself a breed rescue group.
0: Exactly. Take five minutes online to locate your local shelters and specific breed rescue
1: groups near you. Yeah. Okay, Lori, I like that one, especially making a game out of it. You know, the, you want to gamify things these days. That's I do. One, yeah. Okay. So uh, don't go away. Lori has the most important New Year's resolution for 2019 and beyond After the break, you're listening to Animals Today.
2: Every day in our community, countless animals are starved, beaten, and abused by people. And sadly, most of these cases go unreported, and the abusers get away with it. And in many cases, someone knew about the abuse, but did not report it. So if you see someone hurting an animal, or even if you just suspect something, call the police or animal control right away. Animal abuse does not just mean physically abusing an animal, neglecting animals can be just as bad. So if you see your neighbor's dog being underfed, left without water, or tied up in the backyard without protection from the elements, it is important to report that too. In many cases, you don't even have to give your name, and your phone call may save an animal's life. Also, we know that many violent and abusive adults got their start by first abusing animals. It's true, people who harm animals often turn their violence against other people, and that is a cycle we need to break. Remember, animals can't speak out for themselves, so reporting animal abuse can save lives. This message is presented by Advancing the Interests of Animals. Visit them at AIanimals.org. That's AIanimals.org. For
3: the past quarter century, International Society for Animal Rights has fought the battle against dog and cat overpopulation. Its programs include reducing income taxes by allowing a deduction for spay and neuter expenses. Preventing animals adopted from shelters from reproducing and requiring the mandatory identification of dogs and cats to prevent dumping the unwanted. For a list of all ISAR overpopulation programs, please see their website at www.isaronline.org.
1: back to Animals Today. We are presenting our favorite suggested New Year's resolutions for 2019. And uh, hopefully some of these ideas may resonate with you. Lori has promised me that she's got the most important one to present to you right now. And I can't wait. Lori, lay it on us.
0: Okay. You built it up so much. <laughs> the most effective way to help animals is stop eating them. Yeah. Most people know, but really don't want to think about, that the animals they're eating come from large industrial operations where animals are often confined and neglected and abused. So one of the best ways to help animals and to reduce animal suffering is to give up meat by becoming a vegetarian or give up all animal products by becoming a vegan. Raising animals for food is not only extremely cruel, but it's the greatest human-caused source of destruction to our environment. A vegan lifestyle is the best way to reduce your carbon footprint, so it's also the best thing we can do for the planet. You say, oh, I drive an electric car, I reduce waste, I recycle, I try to buy eco-friendly products, so I do my part, but truly those things are so insignificant compared to reducing The amount of meat you consume. And start out by trying it just one day a week. Eliminating meat at least once a week has a huge impact on not only the environment, but your own personal health as well. And reducing your meat consumption is the nicest thing you can do for the animals for this upcoming year.
1: Well, Lori, I have to agree. I think you nailed it there. Thanks for the reminder. And uh, can I just add one more thing? It's so easy these days to stop eating meat and animal products. There's vegan restaurants everywhere. There's all these tasty options in the grocery stores. And uh,
0: easy recipes online. People think, oh, what can I make? Uh, Vegetables.
1: It's it's all vegetables. It's really not. It's not like that anymore. And uh, like I said... Watch that movie, Vegan 2018, the film. You will get a bunch of great ideas and you'll see where this whole movement is going. It's the biggest food trend for 2018 and 2019 is uh, the vegan trend. And there's a reason. It's growing.
0: You're listening to Animals Today, your home for serious talk about animals. I'm Dr. Lori Kirshner. Every November is National Pet Diabetes Awareness Month. Diabetes, as you know, is fairly common in both dogs and cats. And last year, we spoke with veterinarian Doug Coons about the condition in cats. Today, I want to welcome Dr. Koons back to talk about diabetes in dogs. Dr. Coons is Medical Director, of VCA Desert Animal Hospital in Palm Springs, California. Welcome back to the show, Doug.
3: Oh, nice to be here with you, Lori. And particularly to discuss this interesting
0: topic. So, Doug, how common is diabetes in dogs? Well, I can't give you
3: exact numbers, but it's common enough that, at least in our practice, we have probably close to 100 to 200 dogs that are diabetic that we treat, and that's an eight-doctor practice. So it's a big practice, but it, it's common.
0: So, Doug, in humans, there are two types of diabetes. How does it work in dogs?
3: Well, you know, in humans, there' type one diabetes, which is juvenile diabetes that's you know children that get diabetes and in in and then type two diabetes, which is older individuals that are usually it's usually associated with obesity and as we discussed previously in cats, cats get type two diabetes so that uh, their cells become resistant to insulin. It's not that their pancreas doesn't produce insulin, it just it's not utilized then by the cells in the body. Whereas with type one diabetes, which is the type that dogs get, there's actual destruction of the beta cells in the pancreas, which are the cells that produce insulin. So, and it can be due to a number of different things. It can be due to disease. Uh, Pancreatitis sometimes can damage the pancreas so that the beta cells don't produce insulin anymore. It can be an immune-mediated disease where the immune system destroys the beta cells. Then there are some other less common diseases that can cause it, but uh, it's pretty common in dogs.
0: Are there certain breeds that get diabetes more frequently?
3: Yes. There are some particular breeds like Australian Terriers, Beagles, Samoyeds, uh, Keith Those are the common breeds that have a genetic predisposition to diabetes. We also see it uh, not uncommonly in poodles,
0: uh, miniature schnauzers, but it can occur in any breed. Right, right. And is it more common in males or female dogs? Actually, it's a little more common in females. How do you approach a dog with possible diabetes in your office? And how do you confirm the diagnosis?
3: Well, usually people come to us with the complaint that their dog is drinking excessive amounts of water Mm -hmm. and often having accidents in the house. And so when someone comes in with that history with their dog, Uh, You know, there are certain questions that I always ask, such as, you know, when they do have an accident in the house and you clean it up, is it sticky? And has there been a change in weight in in the dog? Because sometimes these dogs are losing weight, but it requires really blood work to confirm a diagnosis of diabetes. Uh, We like to look at both the the blood sugar levels, and also we want to do a urinalysis to see if there's actual uh, sugar spilling into the urine.
0: So, you mentioned drinking excessively and urinating a lot or making mistakes in the house. Any other symptoms we should know about?
3: You know, the other thing that occasionally happens is I have a client that comes in and says, My dog has all of a sudden developed cataracts. And uh, when we start checking, we find that their blood sugar is elevated. Uh, dogs are, are very prone to forming uh, diabetic cataracts, whereas cats, uh, it's, it's really unusual or rare to see a cat develop cataracts from diabetes. But I would say probably the majority of dogs that are confirmed diabetics at some point will develop cataracts unless the diabetes is very well controlled and and from an early stage.
0: Right. Are certain dogs quite sick at the time of diagnosis, so they require hospitalization? They can be.
3: Yeah. If if the blood sugar is so high that the dogs develop what's called ketosis, where they form ketones, then those dogs are really sick. They're vomiting. uh, The liver is affected. Yeah. uh, and they need to be hospitalized and put on IVs for a period of time, and the blood sugar needs to be very closely regulated. You know, we're checking blood sugars every few hours with those dogs and and giving types of insulin that uh, will have rapid onset to help pull the, the blood sugar down, and and it's a solvable problem, but Uh, but it's potentially life-threatening.
0: Right, so always better to catch it early. And do dogs with diabetes get secondary organ damage like people do with diabetes? Things like renal disease or peripheral neuropathy and retinopathy?
3: You know, they don't as a rule, and it's because they don't live long long enough to develop those problems like we do. Uh, Cats develop peripheral neuropathy, but dogs, the main uh, other organ damage that we see uh, are are the cataracts that we mentioned
0: previously. Doug, can you tell us about treatment in the short and long term?
3: You know, in in the short term, of course, it's approaching these dogs if they're really sick, dealing with underlying disease. If a dog has pancreatitis, of course, the important thing is to get the pancreas under control. And often if that's done, then the diabetes is transient, so it only lasts until the pancreas is working well again. If they're ketotic, of course, we have to solve that problem. But long-term with insulin, none of the oral medications that people take work in dogs. Hmm. So the only treatment option is insulin, and that's giving a shot twice a day.
0: How do you monitor the dog's response to treatment? In humans, we measure the hemoglobin A1C in the blood. Do you do something similar for dogs?
3: That's just an area that research is beginning to look at A1C in the dog, but uh, it's not a not a common test at this point. It's more research at the university level. But we do measure blood sugar, and we do have some clients that are pretty adept at at measuring blood sugar at home, they can take a little stylet and just make a little poke in the lip or the ear or the paw and then uh, check the blood sugar levels. But those those are the exception. It's, you know, you, dogs probably don't like their owners poking them with, right. with sharp sharp objects. But uh, uh, So usually what we'll do is we start off based on weight. A dose of insulin, and we'll instruct the pet guardian about dosing and timing. It should be every 12 hours. It should be given with a meal, and then we we'll usually have them start off and and do a treatment for a couple of weeks. And we'll have the pet back in and do a glucose curve where we measure the blood sugar at the time the insulin is given, and then every two hours until. The next time the insulin is due and then we can we can see number one if we're getting a normal peak of insulin activity and then if it's tapering off uh, when the next shot is due and it allows us to adjust uh, the insulin dose so that we're we're optimizing uh, the blood sugar levels
0: do well-managed diabetic dogs have a normal life expectancy
3: they do They do. It really doesn't shorten their life expectancy if they're well-regulated. One other thing, the point that I think is good to make, we really are not chasing numbers so much in the dog as we're chasing resolution of symptoms. And so if we're with our insulin dose, we're seeing water consumption and urination normalize and weight stabilize then irregardless of what the numbers are telling us we've got a dog that's well controlled and so those are probably more important than than anything else and one other point is there are other diseases that can complicate diabetes in the dog probably the most common being Cushing's disease Mm. which is a, a disease that affects the adrenal glands and and causes an overproduction of cortisone by the body. And those dogs are very difficult to regulate. And most commonly, we see that with miniature schnauzers. But a normal, you know, well-regulated dog can live a wonderful life and giving the shots of uh, insulin twice a day. Some dogs actually come and find uh, uh, their guardians when it's time to to get their insulin because they feel so much better when they're when they're regulated mm,
0: that's great well very informative veterinarian dr doug koontz thank you very much it's been my pleasure Lori. Game show host Bob Barker, actress Tippi Hedren, journalist and author Jane Velez-Mitchell, and rock legend Paul Rogers all have in common? That's right. Each one has been a guest on Animals Today. In fact, people from all walks of life, like scientists, lawyers, dog and cat rescuers, and whale protectors have shared their views and described their work on behalf of animals on the show. So keep up on the latest and most important animal news and issues from around the world each week right here. Make sure to join the discussion on Facebook and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. And of course, I welcome your ideas and suggestions. So feel free to contact me at Dr. Lori. that's
1: D-R-L-O-R-I, at Animalstodayradio.com. Lori, I've got a list of the top 10 songs about animals of all time. Mm. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. This comes from the uh, file. Anyone can make a list about anything and publish it on on the internet and I think that's what this author did this one happens to be about 10 years old but I think you'll like it anyway so here are the top 10 songs about animals of all time according to some guy Okay, so um, number ten, who let the dogs out? Remember that one? Yeah. Okay, so um, who I. Who let the dogs... That's right. I went to YouTube uh, today, and forty-two million people have viewed that video. Holy cow! Yeah. Okay. Uh, number nine, atomic dog. This is from uh, that guy George Clinton. I looked at that video. It's absolutely terrible. I don't remember and, that. And uh, it, I don't know why it's on his list. It's from the '80s, and really, it's a very dated video. In a Pretty cruddy song. Puff the Magic Dragon. Oh, yeah. Okay, Peter, yeah. Paul, and Mary. Sure. They have, uh, there are a couple of versions online. There's 8 million views of one of the versions. That's a sweet little song. I wonder if kids know about that these days. I don't know. Probably um, not. Then uh, Baby Beluga. Uh, remember Baby Beluga? No, okay, This me. was popular, like, maybe 15, 20 years ago. A singer named Rafi and his guitar, he mm. would play for live audiences with kids in their parents' laps and... and and it was uh and it was sweet and uh, his live version has five and a half million views and it was a little sad to realize that some of these uh, kids who are in the audience that uh, um, have grown up and they're now managing your money and taking care of you when you go through <laughs> the emergency room so these are, that's the baby beluga generation they're now uh, they're now out next one on this list which I I like is Ben from Michael Jackson yeah there's a great video uh, from the 1973 Oscars of the uh, child. Michael Jackson, and that's got about 10 million views. That was uh, part of my childhood, I remember, Ben. Horse With No Name from America. Great song. That's a great one. That is uh, in the sweet spot of my uh, recollection also. Next one, number four on this list, Joy to the World, Three Dog Night. Love that one. Everyone, who can resist that one, right? Okay. Then the Beatles' Blackbird. We've talked about that before. That deserves to be on any list about... Uh, on every an, list. On any list about anything, right? Okay. Rockin' Robin. This is number two on oh, the yeah. guys' list. Yeah. On um, the original version by Bobby Day. That was from 1957. Okay. I don't remember that one. Don't laugh. And um, And number one, The Lion Sleeps Tonight by The Tokens. Many people sing that, right? Yeah. Recorded in 1961, 34 million YouTube views Mm. by the tokens. My parents liked the tokens. Oh, yeah. Um, And uh, so that's to give you an idea of how many people are viewing this, at least on on YouTube, which is the way most people get some of this music. But like I said, this list is a little old and I have... um, And you
0: don't even want to give this guy credit. You're not mentioning his name.
1: No, I'm not. I don't want him to come after me. But like I said, it's it's a it's an old list, and uh there is one a song that just blows all these out of the water. That, you know what is... that is Baby Shark.
0: Baby Shark. Oh yeah, that's that a silly video that you showed me a couple yes. months ago. I never well, heard of it till you showed that to me. I know.
1: It, it is I guess
0: not having kids, we don't know about
1: those things. How many YouTube views do you think baby shark? Oh my goodness. Has? Okay, okay, tens of millions? No. Two billion views. <gasps> Two billion views of baby shark.
0: Baby shark, shark. shark. Something
1: like that, yeah, okay. So um, that's going to be the next generation of people who are going to be taking care of us oh in, our, in our old age. The oh, baby shark generation, <laughs> they're going to gonna think gonna think be of. giving you your medicine and driving you. Oh, boy. They're going to say, open your mouth, baby <laughs> shark,
0: shark, shark. Come Take in your his... medicine, medicine,
1: <laughs> medicine. Let's go to the bathroom, bathroom, bathroom. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> You're truly... (laughs) (laughs) Oh, boy. Okay, so hopefully the baby shark generation will uh, grow up to be upstanding, responsible citizens. I sure hope so. Okay, next year's list is going to be different. Merry Christmas. Are we allowed to say Christmas these days? No,
0: we're going to say it anyway. Okay.
1: Merry Christmas. We have a little reindeer uh, item here. This comes from Texas A&M University. And one of their professors, Alice Blue McLendon, she says that reindeer are the only type of deer in which both males and females grow antlers. Mm. Yeah. So you know what that means? That means that Santa's reindeers, including Rudolph, all of them might have been female. You can't tell. So some of those uh, seemingly male reindeer may have been uh, female. There are a couple of other notable reindeer facts you want to make sure you know this year. They are ruminants and they have four chambered stomachs. They are excellent swimmers. Male reindeer during mating season eat infrequently. They are focused. And the uh, type of deer we're talking about, reindeer is the term in Europe and Scandinavia, but they are called caribou in North America. Same animal. So Merry Christmas. (laughs) Around the holiday time, people are tempted to give pets like puppies or bunnies as gifts. And uh, you've heard this before. You do not want to be involved in that, right? Uh, we received a little update from PETA. Uh, you may have read this in other places too. And they are reminding listeners that animals are not gifts. Cats and dogs are living beings who have long lifespans and complex needs. And uh, the person who is receiving this gift may not be up to the task. They may not want to. They may not know what you are getting them into, the expense, the attention, veterinary care, So many reasons why animals should not be considered gifts. Uh, Also remember that uh, getting an animal thinking your child may be the primary caretaker of the animal is likely to backfire. Uh, Young children can unintentionally harm animals uh, when they're playing with them, pulling their ears or tails. They can get scratched or bitten. The kids can make the animals nervous, and chances are you are going to be walking the dog and feeding the dog and driving the animals around more than your children are. So make sure you do not get an animal thinking that your younger children are going to really learn some responsibility from this. It's going to backfire. Also remember that many people who receive pets as gifts around the holidays end up just relinquishing them to the shelter. So the shelters end up being overcrowded around holiday time because of this tendency for people to give animals as gifts. So please avoid doing that. When you buy an animal from a breeder or a pet store, remember you are taking a chance away from a dog or cat in a shelter to have a home. So don't support the buying and breeding industry. Okay, so most of our listeners have heard these bits of advice before. Remember not to give pets as gifts and do not support the breeding and selling industry. And
0: thank you for tuning in to Animals Today. This is Dr. Lori Kirshner encouraging you to nurture your love and compassion for the only other beings sharing our planet, the animals.